The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out I'm joined by Patricia Tan, SVP, Sales and Marketing for Southeast Asia and China from Charterhouse Partnership, where she shares her extensive experience on the subject of business development and how Charterhouse have created a positive business development culture. She'll be sharing with us how having a competitor in the market makes you a better recruiter, and that will be in part two. She will leave you with up-to-date tips and techniques on business development that you will be able to apply back into the office immediately. Hi, Patricia. How are you? Hi, Andrea. I'm good. Lovely to see you. It's been way too long. Way too long. Like seven years. Oh, my God. I feel, I feel quite guilty that I haven't I know. seven years. I've got an excuse. I was in Germany, so that was my excuse. Oh, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've been here guilty of it, but yeah, it's just been quite busy with work and stuff, but well, all good. I- Good. I'm re- yeah. I really appreciate you spending some time and talking about a topic quite close to my heart in terms of business development. Yeah, no, that's a big topic. It's a big one, it? right? And yes. I think the reason I picked it um, was quite a few clients come to me wanting their consultants to have business development training. It's something mm. that really yep. is a bit of a barrier to most recruiters. So I thought that would be an awesome cast. Yeah. And I knew you would be a great person to be talking to me about it. And I hope, tips I to hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I can contribute as much as I can. But yeah. Okay. So... so um, before we sort of kick off, let's for those listeners out there that don't know your background so much, that gives them a little sure. bit more of an idea of where you've come from, what, what yeah. you're doing now, because that will yeah. help them um, when, when you're talking about your stories on business development, that kind of help them a little bit more um, sure. in terms of your background. So run me through how you got into recruitment um, and then what led you into coming into Charterhouse now. Sure. Um Let's just say a career in recruitment wasn't something I was dreaming to do. Surprise, like, surprise, know, right? Surprise, surprise. I don't think in university <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to become a recruiter at some point. No, that wasn't what I was I had in mind. Right. Um, it, it was just months leading towards the graduation. I was like, oh, what do I want to do? What do I actually mm-hmm. enjoy most? And I think one thing came to my mind that sales was something that I was after. Um, and I think because of you know, how I'm passionate about a role which I personally think can be quite financially rewarding. Mm. Um, I thought, okay, sales. So I kind of got the direction that sales is what I want, but what kind of sales, I had no clue. So I actually approached a recruitment firm in Australia. Um, I still remember it was Ashley, Ashley Carter Recruitment Firm in Australia. It's like, oh, I want to do marketing manager because that was my degree, banking, finance and marketing. And they were like, okay, um, what would you like? Why marketing? I say, oh, because I like to speak to people. I like the brand and yada, yada. So the list goes on. And then it came to me, they were like, have you thought about recruitment? And I'm like, no, what do you guys do? They're like, basically recruitment is sales job. It's financially rewarding. You connect with people. You build a relationship. It's a multifaceted role. I say, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, where do I start? Um, they were like, would you like to be joining a company like Michael Page and Hudson and stuff. And I went, hmm, why not? So I started applying to graduate program of Michael Page and Hudson. And then I got in the Michael Page um, graduate recruitment. So I I can't remember the exact name, pardon me. I think it was something actually, it was a small boutique firm where they place people with, so it's like a rack-to-rack firms after all. Okay. Yeah, so I submitted my application to Hudson and Michael Page. Um, Yeah, so I, I got in Michael Page very soon after, looking after secretarial support. Is desk. that what you were doing, first of all? Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? Oh, hiring secretaries. I say, okay. Oh. But one month after, um, because my mom wanted me to be back 
to sing in Singapore. So I started applying jobs in Singapore, including asking for internal transfer to Michael Page. Um, so yeah, funny enough, the first job that came, the first offer on the table for me then was Charterhouse. Right. Yes, I still remember. So it was meant the to end, be, yeah. eventually. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, join me, come to Singapore. And I was like, sure. But then when I flipped the newspaper, Michael Page was always on the newspaper. Yeah. I was like, do yeah. I really want to join a boutique firm well, then? The, the days when Straight Times was all the... Yeah, yeah, I still remember. That a long time ago. Selling advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, okay, um, why not? I just give drop an email to MD in Singapore. It's like, okay, I'm interested to have an internet transfer. So anyway, I came down here, met with the MD, met with everybody and... Yeah, so they give me an offer on the so, spot. That's interesting. So you weren't there for too long in Australia then and you moved One up. month, because one and a half. You, I mean, from what I hear now from a lot of the bigger players, you have to kind of work a year, 18 months before there's any internal transfers. Quite a lot of people that are working in the bigger brands now, Correct. they've got to kind of do their time before yeah. they're even allowed so to So I didn't move, get so the internet transfer. So I wrote the MD an email directly oh, that I'm interested in Singapore. Smart. So can I come? Because they couldn't let me, right? Because they just hired me on a graduate yeah. program. So I was just like doing a researching kind of work. So I wrote her an email, Florence then, and I say, can I come? Right. I'm coming down to Singapore. Can I have a meeting with you? So that's how things, yeah, things just go rolling in. And yeah, here I am. Um, so it wasn't a graduate training role then when you joined it wasn't, it wasn't a graduate right. role. It was just like an associate consultant supporting okay. the banking finance desk. So I started out banking finance um, in Michael Page for about three and a half years. Um, those okay. were a good time before the Lehman crisis mm. and subsequently Robert Walters. Mm. Um, and that's when I had a switch of function um, for sales and marketing mm -hmm. and then Charterhouse right now. So currently I'm handling um, three divisions. Um, first and foremost would be the sales and marketing okay. and digital and design. Mm -hmm. um, the last one would be data and analytics. Okay. So these are my three divisions. So you're managing people now then? Yeah, I yeah. am. Wow. I, am. I still remember the di the conversation I had with you, Andrea, when you first given me the manager promotion. You're like, Patricia, you're not going to have your names up there you're going to have your team's name up there. And I always remember. And, and that comment still stuck in my head to today. No longer an individual there. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Back then. And I was like, yeah, let's try. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I came to Charterhouse. Um, didn't want to manage a team. That's why I left Rob Walters. I didn't think manager was what I was after. Um, mm. But somehow, rather, the fate just came back. And anyway, I'm, I'm back and managing a team, but a lot smaller, the team. So right. it's about a team of five right now, right. handling these three divisions. Okay, well, I might sort of circle back back to that part yeah, in terms sure. of management and how you're driving out sure. BD side on that in a, in yep. a second. Um, so talk me through how the planning of business development, do you think has sort of changed when you first started out in recruitment to now? Because obviously you've been in it a long time. Mm. You've worked at different firms where I'm sure there were probably different business development cultures. Yep. So sort of run me through, um, yep. and you know, it, how, how, you know um, the, yeah, the planning side of the business development, where you think it's changed? Sure. I think recruitment back then, 15 years ago, I mean, 14 years to be exact, to right now, it has changed massive. In I what mean, way? I mean, back then, we didn't have Lincoln, right? <laughs> I still remember when we started, we actually literally, um, and I remember this tip that my first boss taught me when I was in Michael Page was that Patricia, when, he was a Canadian guy, he was like, Patricia, when you, when you enter a restaurant, you see those fish balls where they have tons of name cards? Just take them if there's no one look at them. <laughs> good advice. I'm like, It's really? still good advice. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah, you don't have to take them. Just, just, just had a quick look, just yeah, looking take at, pictures. take a few pictures yeah. and you see, um, you know, who are those people and who knows, it can be a good lead generation. And I went, oh, okay. So I learned, but um, anyway, come back to business development. I have to admit, I mean, I had a good training in places like Michael Page and Rob Walters where, you know, we had two weeks hardcore training, you know, all the way from business development to CV searching to talking to candidates, briefing candidates, all the way from the beginning to the end. Um, so literally, I was handling banking finance, which was at that point in time, the function was a lot of repetitive business. It's a lot yeah. of volume business. Yeah. And you probably will be given a five key clients. Mm. And frankly, it wasn't really a cold call, if you ask yeah. me, because it's a big yeah. brand name hiding behind the brand. Picking up the phone making an introduction, bam, you get a job. Yeah. There you go. 
deliver the CVs and then placements. So it was easy. Um, it wasn't as easy, but I think it was Different, easy. Yeah. It was easy for the then. bigger brands, right? Yeah, okay. it was job coming from the portal. Pick up the phone, mm. say, "Hey, I'm on it. I'll send you CV yeah. submission done." Um, I think when I, but. I suppose business development differs uh, individually, of course. It's also very industry-specific. Um, banking and finance has a different way. Um, when I took on a sales and marketing recruitment, and I think the reason why I took on that function is because I didn't like the repetitive business that is the lack of relationship yeah. that um, yeah. Yeah, it was kind Quite of in that. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted the more, um, I wanted to train myself and kind of challenge myself into like, co-calling, building a new desk, building a different uh, new clients that not hiding behind the big brands. Yeah. So I went to uh, sales and marketing Rob Waters, given that it was a very good f- training from mm. back then the manager. Mm. And and it was same thing. It was a it was a list of clientele given to me. Like Patricia, give a call, BD, you'll get jobs. So again, back then I think, okay, it wasn't hard as hard as I thought until I came to Charterhouse. Okay. Um, the reason why I want to bring that is because the journey has been a lot easier in Page and Walters was again because there's database driven and and you've got the brand. You've got the brand. Yeah, um, repeat business. Repeat business. And yeah. when I came to Charterhouse, it was a brand new desk, um, yeah. sales and marketing, um, especially for my financial services and professional services then and slowly building up to digital design, data analytics. It's a complete new function, new database. Um, That really honed my skill of business development. No longer, I can pick up the phone and say, hi, Patricia from Charterhouse. Are you hiring? Do you have any job opening? And that's when I realized you have to be very targeted because nobody knows back then for sales and marketing and and digital, Mm. what is Charterhouse? We don't know you guys. We probably know you for contracting business or banking business Um, so I decided to change I wouldn't say change it's really about tweaking tweaking what you have learned you adapted adapted slightly so talk us through how you adapted to come to an organisation that didn't have the big brand because I'm sure a lot of listeners out there aren't all from the bigger brands they are from smaller ones because I think that's the whole reason why yeah. I've certainly done the podcast is to reach people that and yeah. help them um, doing a, an area of recruitment that can be a bit of a, a hurdle for people. So mm. what, what were you doing that um, really helped or tweaked um, your, your whole sort of skills on that? Yeah. Um, when I came over, of course, I had a good years of experience in sales and marketing in Robert Walters. So you still keep in touch with some of these clients, but yeah. there were a lot more new clients that you needed to develop. Yeah. Um, to me, the key thing to have a very successful business development strategy is you need to know your function and your business very well in order to come to to come out a very holistic strategy. How would you do that? And for myself, when I came out, and I remember we didn't have a. I, I think Gary won't be happy when I say no, that. No, it's all right. I think right. Um, database wasn't as user-friendly. Right, right. Um, still doesn't. Which, which, <laughs> which I think in a lot of firms it is. Yeah. It's, it's, some organisations are better at, at um, encouraging the use of database and others aren't. Yeah. It's, it's, it yeah. depends on the company, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and I was so used to using database. And I mean, again, the cross-selling thing wasn't really something that was happening. Because but would you say you're reliant on it though? Would you I rely say, yeah. heavily, heavily okay. in, in Robert Waters and Page, right? right? You just have to call and say, hey, mm. my colleague spoke to you. I'm hiring in this space. Do you have a job? But coming to Charterhouse was, I think I think in a more boutique firm, which I believe the people out there will probably resonate with me very well in this, is that a lot of experienced recruiters in a place, a boutique firm like Charterhouse, people tend to work quite silos. Yeah. And how do we encourage that whole cross-selling, um, going out there, having meetings together? I think it's still an issue that's permitting out, um, you know, in this industry that we're constantly cultivating that whole cross-selling. Um, but so it's how, all come down to culture. So how do you... So how do you encourage that cross-selling then in, a, in an organisation where you aren't necessarily sharing information or data but you can't access all that information? How, mm. how have you overcome that coming from a big brand to a, to a, well, to a smaller one? Um, I, think, I think Gary did a good thing that, you know, constantly getting us together and I think the managers work very well, just keeping each other in the loop right. that we send out a list of client 
meetings to the whole company. Right, right. That every weekly, so we kind of right. get someone to just kind of. Um, and is a new organisation you're meeting, or is it just every contact? Every contact. Met? Right. Okay. So it's a new mandatory. Mm. Um, okay. By our MD direction, is that mandatory? Whichever HR that you are meeting, you have to send to the whole office. Right. So that you you kind of encourage that. Um, welcoming colleagues to joining you for right. the meetings. Right. Yeah. yeah so we do sense. that. So so I, I think fundamentally it's about really having a plan. And to me, um, I use Excel spreadsheet even to today. Dude. I know Gary's not going to be. No, I yeah, would hate that. I, you know, know. <laughs> I think I used but, to think about Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> but everything has to be on a system even though you have an Excel spreadsheet. So Excel spreadsheet is just for my own Right. To just like, when I'm going to call. How you can navigate how around can, it. I can navigate yeah. and all that. Right. Because the system, but I mean, that was when I started. That was like seven years oh, ago. I appreciate that. I know <laughs> now, when, exactly. when we haven't, I haven't brought you up to date completely yet. I want yeah. to go back to the, when I asked about the um, know your business function well, when you first, for anyone that's coming into a, an area and, and they're entering into a, into a recruitment firm or a division that hasn't got a database with all the information on it, they can't they can't access the information. How do you get to know that business and really understand it so that you can go out there yep. and, and, and be yep. credible to clients? Personally, I think it comes down to one key, um, one, actually, you know, I, I really think fundamentally it comes down to networking. To me, it's, it's, I mean, how I train my team and every single day, it's not about bringing jobs, it's, I always encourage them to network, network and network. To yeah. me, it's all about networking. Talk to me through what networking looks like for you guys. To me, networking, it's, it can be networking with candidates. Yeah. You know, to me, knowledge is key. Yeah. When you don't have knowledge, you don't sound credible. Yeah. No one listens to you. And how do you, I mean, coming back to why client, I mean, I personally think that knowledge gets me where I am today. Never stop learning. For me, it's about education and learning. What are we what, what are we saying about learning? When you're meeting a client, when you're meeting a candidate, what, what information should the recruiters be asking and gathering? What are we talking about here? Yeah. So it started from the networking. When I meet with a candidate, right, I don't just ask the candidate about what did you do, your employment history. That is mandatory. Yeah, it's on the CV. Yeah, it's on the <laughs> CV. For me, my function specifically, I talk about the industry landscape. I talk about the market insights. I talk about what the company is doing and what the company has done um, and uh, what we'll be doing in the future. So all this information to me is important and, and I'm equipped with information. I can network in using those information, leveraging that to make myself sound more credible. Yeah, so, so network is one thing. I mean, you can network. I mean, I, I remember I have a team member where it's all about networking, mm. but networking is not enough if you're not making use of the no, information. No, it's not being the most popular person. It's what exactly. you do with it, You it? just go out yeah. and have a few beers and I network. Yeah, but... Yeah. What Bring did it. you get out of exactly. it? What's the you got, I think you've just got to be genuine with it. I mean, just it was interesting that we're talking about the networking side. I just mm. got a um, LinkedIn message from someone that used to be a client years ago, and he just messaged. And I was obviously I was telling him about the podcast and that he should listen to it. Yeah, and it, I think it's someone that you know. I won't mention his name, but it's someone <laughs> that you and Peony know and everyone. Sure. And he just said, "Yeah, we were talking about recruiters in general," and he just said, "I just." got off the phone to a recruiter yesterday and they are in a building next to me and they didn't want to meet <laughs> so they had an interview over the phone but it, the mm. guy's next door the recruiter was next door which I just thought was so funny oh, this is bizarre because surely yeah. you'd want to meet the person that yeah. I mean you maybe he's you know jetting out the door and uh, maybe he had loads of other meetings but I thought but yeah. surely you you must want to meet the person you know I have <laughs> I have issues with people sitting in an office and not go out to meet clients and candidates yeah. I have a big issue. But do you think there is a trend towards that? Yes. Has there been, why is that? Why, why is has that? it happened? Because I don't, I don't remember it 10 years ago. I mm. see it way when mm. I returned from Germany. I really noticed that here. That people actually find it more comfortable sitting behind the desk. Yes. Making calls. Yes. And just clock their KPIs. Yes. That's what so, what, so, yeah. why, so why has that been, why has that happened? I'm intrigued to know. I think with the whole social media era that we're in as well these days, I think people find that, I mean, to me, I'm more primitive. I mean, I believe, I'm so traditional. I believe in that every single candidate, I mean, I do my best to meet them at mm -hmm. least before the interview. Mm -hmm. But I think these days, time management is also a big issue here. Right. I mean, I have people these days do not work as as long hours as it used to be in the past when I started recruitment. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in the days when I started recruitment, 
weekends yeah. I come to it's the office. It's not a great thing though, is it? It's not a great I mean, it's thing. That's one positive um, of it moving. Yeah, it is. It, it's not unfortunately. But I think recruitment um, is, is, is a demanding job after all, yeah. right? And I think that it's important that, um, and I think again, come back to that whole time management piece and prioritizing and using, leveraging some of this good information that you have gathered from networking. Right. And and to me, networking, I mean, I, sorry, I'm sorry to, to digress. No, I think, you're not. I think, you're not I think networking is very important, including not meeting someone for a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. To me, I don't believe meeting someone because you have a job, mm-hmm. meeting someone because you want to get a job. Yeah. I do not believe that. Yeah. And and to me, I'm a big advocate, at least for my team within Charterhouse, I get them to go out. If I see someone interesting, and, and again, the network thing, it's all about information, all about the news. And again, I, I keep myself quite updated in LinkedIn news, what's company doing yeah. and all. And I'll, I'll make sure the information is shared. And when you have those pieces of information, you can either, you have two options. Either you sit yeah. on it mm. or you act on it to make a connection with the person yeah. or you ask the person out considering you are in the same ecosystem. Yeah. So I do that quite often. Yeah. But again, I think for new recruiters, um, especially for the new ones that mm. I hired, um, it's not in their DNA. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have to deliberately, you know, create a system for them to say, okay, you need to network this. Mm-hmm. You need to network this week. You need to create new client contacts. You need to make sure you meet five clients yeah. this week and et cetera. So but do you measure people on, on the face-to-face side? Yes. I don't yeah. measure on jobs brought in okay. um, in Charterhouse. I measure on client meetings. Yeah, But that's how... I have started in Charterhouse and it works for me okay. um, mainly because we, we we just don't have the luxury to just call and say, hey, do you do you have a job? Uh, because yeah. I'm from Robert Waters on one yeah. of these powerhouses. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. So my take is always when, when, I, when I pick up the phone to call someone, I make an effort to research through the network, of course, I understand what they do. I will not call blindly. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in picking up the phone and and just say, hey, um, I'm Patricia from Charterhouse. Do you have a job? I, I, don't tend, I, I don't usually let the intention out that I look for a job. For me, it's just about making connection, um, the fact that we're in the same ecosystem. Um, is there anything I can help you and all that? Yeah. What do you see as the fundamentals to a successful business development strategy? Could you mention the networking side? Yep. That's the information. Yeah. What else is there that you think it really does, you know, that, that, that is key to being successful at business development? Let's talk about the traits, shall we? Yeah. Like, yeah. what kind of traits is needed to have a successful business development? I think confidence is key. I think coming back to why people hide behind a desk, writing an email, don't get me wrong, I'll come to that whole alternate means about business development yeah there are some but I think why people are actually very reluctant to get up from the office to actually because it could be the fear you know the fear of getting rejected picking up the phone and you're right there and I guess the confidence beat that we just need to dust ourselves off to say you know what yeah it's nothing personal. Yeah. Just pick up the phone and call again. Yeah, and the worst they all... can do is put the phone down. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> got that right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think I think that's important confidence. Yeah. And I think don't call for the sake of calling. And I think I get that a lot in the past when I was in those powerhouse because we have very key KPI yeah. to say we I, need to I call. Know, something I certainly drove yeah. a lot, probably too much. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> And and I remember I, I I remember in one of the powerhouse when I used to work and I remember on that day I need to achieve thirty calls because my boss then said I have to call. Yeah. And I remember I called the HR and I started chatting with the HR. Half an hour in, I didn't I I mean it, it was a waste of time because that person was the wrong decision maker yeah. maker. Yeah. And that person was about to leave the organization. Well, this so and, it wasn't targeted in yeah, any way. It was just a Keep the bosses happy, really. And I suppose, you know what, and recruitment job, I mean, we are constantly time-staffed. You just got to be a bit more ruthless with your time. And sometimes it's about knowing, But sometimes consultants aren't in that position. I mean, I suppose it's easy for us to sit here now where we're not in those kind of organisations. But if you are in an organisation where you have got a boss pushing you to do 30 BD calls a week and isn't outcome-focused, because we all know it isn't about 30 calls a week. It's about... 
10 or 15 quality calls, right? It's all outcome. But if you've got someone, you know, a junior recruiter that has got a boss or an organisation that is really pushing for just Mm. KPIs, how do you, you know, what's the advice to manage that with a boss? Yeah. I think mindset got Other to than shift. <laughs> Other than leaving. I know. Mindset, <laughs> mindset really have, have to shift these days. And I think the managers need to appreciate that we are in the social media era these days. And back in the days where there is no LinkedIn, I, I remember HR was telling me, Patricia, you're the 10th person who called oh, me today. Gosh. Do you really I want your consultants ones. picking up the phone, just calling for the sake of calling yeah. and hitting the KPI and not getting any result out of yeah. it? You'll nothing. Yeah. Um, I personally believe is, I don't believe in full day business development. I believe in a yeah. half a day targeted. Yeah, and all it's that. quite exhausting, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. and and it's about mindset shift. Like, I mean, I think personally, I I, I believe that there are two ways of business development strategy to HR and hiring manager. I mean, both are very. T- different target audience yeah. and you you have to make sure you finesse your approach mm-hmm. accordingly mm-hmm. and not having this whole sales pitch whole script like hi this is who am I yeah. uh, are you hiring I look after this 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 Chatterhouse and how many years yeah. of experience pause, next pause line. and then next line and, and to me is everyone get, receives such calls yeah. um, and, and I'm starting to appreciate that um, so what works for you for HR and for Lion what, what, what's worked what continues to work for you I think for HR is you've got to be more empathetic um, to their needs because HR people are so busy. They're bogged down with tons and tons of administration yeah. work. And and the last thing they want is hearing you bat- blabbering over the phone. How and many offices them, you've got? Yeah, how many offices? <laughs> what do you cover? What does your colleague do? I don't think they care. I think, <laughs> again, coming back to the research work, for me, is very important. Okay. So when I make a call to HR, I don't just blindly make a call. I, I tend to do quite a thorough research on so the research company's on the background. Company. Yeah. Any recent high-profile hiring that they have. How do you how do you how do you find that out though? How are you trying to find out their high-profile? Are you literally Social going media. to company and then just yeah. looking at everyone that's? It's or, not just company website. LinkedIn these days is is out there. It's public. It can um, tell you when someone's moved into it, right? Yeah. Someone moved into it, and and it's about a lot of content out there on Google. Even I mean my. My biggest search is actually Google. I just go Google. Yeah. I just see what I have. Yeah. So, so of course, I don't do that on a day itself when I'm doing BD. But, but it's just, co- you're saying well, it's constantly gathering constantly. information, not just yes. from a face-to-face with a client or a candidate, but it's also spending time in your reading week or month and reading. just yes. trawling through about an organi- a targeted organisation that you're going yes. after. Yes. Yeah. And to that me, sense. and that's why I say, I don't think the business development strategy is very time specific it's a gradual mm. process it's mm. about constant and it's really about learning yeah. and learning and listening like during the network it's all about what's happening out there who is hiring who is not um, so when I pick up a phone to the HR I think I think to me is confidence is one as I mentioned earlier but how does someone how does someone build that confidence because it's kind of an easy thing to say, isn't it? Okay, you've got to build confidence. But mm. when you've just got your first job in recruitment, I mean, you're just so That's scared fresh, that yeah. someone's going to go, well, which I've had many times, people put the phone down or just don't say anything. So it is really nerve-wracking. <laughs> we used to have the training headset listening to what yeah, your consultants So you're kind of mortified do, right? that you've done it wrong. But how mm-hmm. can someone... How can someone gain confidence? Let's say they don't have role models in their organisation, that they are kind of thrown in the deep end. How can they gain confidence over the phone to a to a potential new client? Mm. Other than obviously <laughs> using me, <laughs> but, but you know, I don't know, Andrea. I mean, I'm I may have a different set. I mean, to me, there's a reason why we hire recruiters because of the certain qualities, and I believe confidence is one of them. I mean, to me, it's the right traits to hire recruiters. Yeah, I think sometimes confidence. people are good. Over, I think some people are good face to face, but when it gets to that phone, it can be mm. a real stumbling block, even for the most confident people. Mm. Is it kind of practice? Is it sort of baptism by fire? Just kind of right. We're doing one after that, and early yeah. on when they start, yep. so they're just used to it. Yeah. But funny you say this because Andrea, when I mean, till today, if I'm going to pick up a phone call to someone really senior, yeah. I'm nervous as hell. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I mean, despite the fact that I have 14 years of experience, yes. I'm still nervous. And I have my own way to overcome it is that I actually have a very customized script because I know I'm going to call a CEO. Well, in, of your, a in your mind, or do you yeah. have it written down? I have it written right in front oh, of me. Oh, do you really? 
Really? Even till today. Okay. And I'm not afraid to admit because again, I believe yeah. that because the space that I've done, um, I'm doing right now has evolved over time. Mm. Like digital, I'm, I don't know how to speak to a CEO of a digital business. And then to me is how can I say, oh, for the last 15 years, I've done banking finance. It's no relevance. Right. Um, so again, it's a lot of thorough research and, and that confidence when you pick up the phone and how I overcome that is I practice. I actually practice on, okay, he's going to say, you know, think of the few. Right. So you're going back to past conversations and what potentially could potential. come up on those calls. Exactly. Yeah. And how you potentially, you know, overcome that, um, tackle those, those questions. So if that's, I know we're talking about the line manager now. So, if you're talking to a line manager and it is a C-level, mm. I know you mentioned before about get, gaining all that information. So are you, how else are you trying, how else are you um, ensuring that that conversation flows and that they want to stay on the line and they want to meet you and you're able to gather that information? Yeah. I don't, sort of, I don't want to know everything about your strict, yeah. uh, script yeah. because yeah. I know yeah. that you don't want to give too much away, but I think it'd be yeah. really helpful yeah. to know. No, no actually, that there's no trade secret really for me is I'm not good at just blabbering around or on the phone with a client either. I'm I'm just not a good convert. I mean to me is I believe okay. getting them out for a meeting. Okay. So and short again, and sweet short and sweet outcome is always meeting. meeting. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. mean of course you have to have something to offer as well. Why do they want to meet you? Why should they meet you? But what is your what is your way of getting them to meet you? What do you use? To me, it's always about, look, we are in the same ecosystem. Um, there has been a lot happening in the market and, you know, appreciate you may not be looking for talent, but meeting with merely is about market insights, what's the upcoming trends. Well, so you're selling that information again. You're selling, and, yeah. and of course, during that pitch, I will always, again, because the whole research, you know what kind of talent they have been yeah. looking. Yeah. And I would say, oh, there has been emerging Tra- uh, emerging skill sets that a lot of companies are looking for right. and name drop a bit of their competitors. Yeah, so you're getting get them, get them around to it. Yeah. They'll be like, yeah. oh, okay, she knows her stuff and it's not just a sales call. So, you, so you're not necessarily selling CVs in on all of your BD calls? I do that to HR potentially. Okay. Yeah, because again, HR, I don't, I mean, I, I think that HR has a very different um Again, it's very different approach to yes. come um, for HR because HR it could be potentially they they want to fill their jobs because their talent acquisition do yeah. have some certain targets yeah. may not potentially for my function. So when I approach a HR, I represent Charterhouse as a whole. Right, I okay. don't call HR right. to just say that you know do you have hiring within my space. So when you call HR, it's about cross selling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really useful. I think yeah. you've got to, again, you're you're going back to what you said before about the empathy side. Yeah. The, the HR don't want to know that you're a specialist in sales and marketing exactly. and only on these specific areas. Correct. They just need to know yeah. you're calling from this specific organisation and what do you, yeah. what, how can we help? Yeah, absolutely. I think that really works. Um, t- tell me about a story where you've tackled, and not physically, obviously, a gatekeeper and it went sort of horribly wrong. Oh. <laughs> just pick one. <laughs> okay, let me think. The gatekeeper for me is always the personal assistant to the C level. Yeah, I'm trying to get to. Yeah, we love um, those, don't I we? Mean, yeah, God, that's tough. Tough one. job. It's very, a tough job. Very tough one. Yeah. Um, I recall that it was once that I knew there was a lead, a very hot lead in the market, where I knew they are about to appoint a recruitment agency to work on a role and it's directly reporting to the CEO. And I needed that. I mean, just out of competitiveness, I'm like, you know what? I, I need to work on the role. Um, it just gets my adrenaline out there. I was like, I need to call, I need to call. So I go on from the switchboard saying that I'm looking for the CEO and then naturally receptionist will be like, okay, I put you through to the PA. Very yeah. naturally, right? Yeah. And then when you get to the PA, at the back of my head, I'm like, okay, what should I say? Am I an insurance agent or, a, or am I a property <laughs> am I florist agent? Or am I a florist? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I'm his wife. Uh. <laughs> I went there and I said, yeah, I'm calling from AIA Insurance. Oh, you went the insurance route? I went insurance route. Right. That didn't go well no. at all. Because <laughs> I... My, I literally, and then that was like, yeah, more than five years ago. So what um, happened then when you, so she, I picked she up the call. You. No, she believed me. Oh. I sounded, it, again, the whole empathetic, and, and again, it's how I, I, my tonality, I went in sounding very, very urgent, and I went, 
I picked up the call and went, Hi, I'm calling from AIA. My name is Yara Yara. I needed to speak to, I give the full name, of course. It was like, and yeah, and sometimes I make it up like, oh, this, he tried to call me earlier, but I lost him and I couldn't get through. Can I now get him on the phone? It's really urgent. It's really urgent. And can we, can I speak to him? Yeah. And she panicked. I think she was a new PA. Oh, and no, then she I went, oh my God, he's in a meeting right now, but no worries. Let me pull him off oh, from no. the meeting. Oh no. And I knew, what, what should I do oh, now? Gosh. And then she went, just hold on a second. And I think your heart must have been really pumping. I was like, should I hang up right now? Yeah. <laughs> what did <laughs> you do? I, I hang up. Yeah, I think I, I probably up. would have done the same. I hang up. I feel bad for because her. I feel bad for her. And I'm sure the insurance agent. But look, that was back in the days where, you know, I, I'm i not proud of that example, frankly. I Even if you ask me, I, I couldn't <laughs> sleep that night because I'm thinking, yeah, why the fact that... Because... I didn't know what else could I do. So so the next day, I decided, and that's when I started learning a different you yeah. know, alternative different means. Tactic. And yeah. not just cold calling. Again, when I started yeah. in recruitment, it's all about just pick up the phone and call. Yeah. And that's when, when you are at the edge, you, you know, at the verge of like, you know, you, because you want it so badly, you just yeah, go right out and just yeah, say, you're right, I'll do it, what it takes to get that call. But you felt really bad. I felt, you really felt bad, bad for that person. And so yeah. that changed. And I think in Asia, it's even more prevalent to be, to use the right tactics. I think there's yes. a lot more empathy and yeah. doing it the right way and yes. then trying to pretend you're someone else. Correct. It just doesn't feel people, good. people don't believe that our emails work. It's just going to go down to the black hole and et cetera. Yes, I agree that. But I think it's about complementing a few ways of to reaching out to the client. In, in what way? To me, cold calling is not to get a job. Cold calling is to gather information. And then the alternative means to me is actually email. And and you kind of just, you cold call, you get down a person's email address. If you can get through, if you can't if get, get through, through to them. Right. Um, potentially the PA could give me just the email address. Yeah. I yeah. should probably just have that enough just to yeah. confirm like oh here's the email address yes. yada, yada. Yeah. and writing them an email and then follow up with a call to yeah. me it's about striking that balance yes. Yes. and the last thing you want just calling them and imagine the CEO could pull out from the meeting oh, and God, then I you say you're from a recruiter oh, no, from don't, don't. XYZ yeah. it's going to be awful you, you did the right so thing thank God to I just, put, I, just yeah. <laughs> I waited <laughs> by the way I waited till he say hello and I just hang up yeah. right away oh. and yeah those were back in the days when I started. Yeah, but I think back in the day, I mean, I, know, I certainly know when I was working in the UK, that mm. was constant. Yeah, That was pretty much common. what we were taught. You just yeah. say whoever you are, you just yeah. get the name and you really don't. I mean, I know it's changed now. I'm sure there's people listening from the UK going, oh, we certainly don't do that now. <laughs> I reckon they do probably, yeah. but um, it just doesn't sit well. And it's yeah. it's it, it's not sustainable. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. Singapore has, if I recall, we have 4,000 recruitment agencies including freelancer, mm. the own startup, one-man shop, mm. all the way to 100-man shop. Imagine, you know, you just receive calls of the calls yeah. of the calls. Yeah. And of course, I'm not saying email is the most effective, but it's about how do you customise your email yeah. accordingly. Yeah. And I emphasise a lot on that. And my yeah. team, every single one, before you write an email to a senior person like that, even HR, they got to know what, what what they want to achieve out yeah, of that. Yeah, what's the intent? Email. Absolutely. Yeah. To yeah. me, it's either you get on a phone call or you get a meeting. Yeah. Um, to me, it's always meetings. Again, I, I'm still very old school. I still believe the face-to-face. -face. But, 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 you know, old school is not a bad thing. Old school isn't old-fashioned. Old school is, I would say, traditional that it works. Yeah. It, it's not worth yeah. changing something if it if it doesn't work. Yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, well, as much as I'm... I'm advocating that we're in social media, you know, it's about linking, it's about emailing and et cetera, but it's also about complementing what went well in the past Absolutely. and just tweaking Absolutely. a few um, little details actually yield different results Absolutely. altogether. So, yeah. so, would you, so you've given me a, a great story on when it hasn't gone so well. Give me an experience of a gatekeeper that has gone really well, just so that yep. someone's listening and they know, okay, that's how I should be handling that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember this PA till today. We we will still keep in touch. Um, and this PA is 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 really tough one, and I think a lot of people couldn't get through yeah. her. Um, she's really again, 
You <laughs> imagine the PA receiving tons and tons yeah. and tons of calls, and again, it's about fit. To have the fit, you have to finesse your approach very differently mm. when you pick up the phone. And I think the ability of being able to um, being able to read um, what uh, being able to uh, sorry, let me just rephrase. That's okay. And I think it's important when you pick up the phone. When the person say hello, and I think instinctively you must know what is the person's mood right now. Gosh, absolutely! Like to me, it's about having that emotional intelligence to appreciate that. How? And How I have do you seen, discover that? I mean, I have seen my team picking up the phone, just go blabber on, and they just <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Learn how to be being able to listen, mm-hmm. take pauses, mm-hmm. and. Just have the flair of just just relax and just talk to them. How are they? And to me, I think I'm just lucky enough that you know over the years I have very good training by different bosses, seeing how the mannerism, mm. seeing how they they tweak their their approach to mm. different people. So so I remember I pick up this phone where the PA was really frustrated. She picked up the phone. She went, "Yes." <laughs> I went, "Oh my god, yes." Um, Hi. Your heart, your heart was going. Boom, <laughs> I know. Boom, boom, boom. I know. I was like, okay, um, what should I do? I was like, oh, hi. I you so and so. And she was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone out there receives such it's calls. A few HR like that yeah, as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I went, oh, hi. Um, you know, I'm Patricia. I'm from Charterhouse. Yes. What do you want? <sighs> when you get someone so aggressive and, 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 and aggressive to you. Yeah. Don't try to push further. Yeah. Just be, you know, just just resonate with them in terms of tonality, energy. Right. I mean, so to acknowledging. Me, yeah. What's all, going on. Acknowledging what's going on. Mm-hmm. And being at the, the same wavelength as them and, and not just going above beyond and say, if that person calling you and to say, hi, yes, what do you want? You don't go, I think, I think it's about, okay, hi. Um, it's really about matching them yeah. at the, Tonality. Yeah, I don't know. I, no, I, mean, I, I completely understand what you mean. I completely understand what you mean. Yeah. If you, it's it's reacting. It's it's a bit like when you're talking to a family member or a friend over the phone. You're you know, you've got to read, and I say read because you're actually listening. You've got to be able to spend a bit of time, pause, like you're saying, pause, but be confident with your pauses to be able to understand there is something going on here. Has she just rushed back from lunch? Was she literally just passing her desk and quickly grabbed the phone? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. something's going on. And I think it's about reading pauses, silences and the subconscious body language. Yes. And and I think the ability to read that. Mm-hmm. And I think when I hear someone is frustrated, mm-hmm. she clearly is in a rush. Mm-hmm. Do I still want to go in and pitch myself that hi I'm Patricia Franchella, I would like to look for the CEO? I don't yeah. think so. Probably not going to go down very well. Probably. But so what I did was, hey, so and so, oh, you sound really busy. Look, um, I actually would love to get your assistance to arrange a meeting for me with a C- um, CEO, but I can tell they're really busy. Love it. Can I call you back later? Yeah. And that to me is a different approach. You totally acknowledge where she was coming from. Exactly. And so the fact that you had changed your approach and yep. wasn't putting pressure on her. Yeah. She's going to feel so much that yeah. you really cared about her, actually. Exactly. Yeah. And then she started saying, I know it's such a bad day. That's when the opportunity comes. Yeah. You Why? What say, happened? Yeah. I was like, oh my God, are you all right? Yeah. You sound... So again, it's a very different approach. I yes, mean, speaking with CEO, you don't go down to that relationship. No. So no. Yeah, it's, it's a different kind of rapport, I yeah. suppose. So Could you do the same with an HR person in that absolutely. same situation? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's when I think my team tend to say, um, Patricia finessed the approach from mm. a HR mm. to a hiring manager mm. because there are they are different problems that are both facing. So it's about again finesse approach accordingly. And I always tell my team that there's no blanket approach for all clients, um, and you just got to you just got to customize that. that. Yeah, thank so, you for that. That was really great advice. Yeah. Really, really good advice. Because I think that's what consultants are facing every single day when they're out there making those calls so I think yeah like you were saying the yeah. empathetic side having information and yeah. reading the moment on that phone and not yeah. not feeling it's a script that you yeah. have to sort of deliver a whole load of information but <laughs> that it's just to have yeah. an intent but be yeah. aware of their situation as and I well. think being present and having 
having heart at the right, in, giving the right intention. I think yeah. a lot of people just pick up the phone because my boss told me to find a job, to chase a role, yes. chase an advert. I'm just called. I just want that. Yeah. But then on the receiving end, they know you're no different with the rest of the recruiters. Mm. So again, it's making yourself... And making an impression, a good one, of course, yeah. um, and making sure that you know you have a good post follow up system. Yeah. Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all in one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. ever lost an opportunity to do business with an important company yes very much so yeah i mean particularly happened that yeah i think i think regardless of um you know the 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 amount of time they spend in recruitment even to today they they are lost businesses um and it all come down to again in recruitment we all have to admit that it's a multifaceted role, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we have to act as a negotiators. We have to act as a decision making uh, makers. We have to uh, counselor, yeah, counselor, <laughs> marketers, and 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 the list goes on, right? It's really about being very um, you having a system, right? Um, and honestly, I'm I'm guilty of it. I mean, sometimes you get so complacent, and you just went, okay, I met this client. Three months ago, I'm sure when they have a job, they are going to call me. But okay. guess what? They may not. Okay. Right? And I think it's really sometimes, you know, coming down from the high horse thinking that just because you are 14 years recruiter, you know what? You still have to put in the heart with it. And that's why I think recruitment job, it, it's really about um, having a good system to ensure that the system is embedded in your DNA so that you, you do not get carried uh, or get caught up with your day-to-day kind of work. And and let me let me let me let me cite an example on that one. Um, very often, when you place a candidate with a client, you probably think, "Oh, great! I make a big placement from this client. Let me chase the next big powerhouse. Let me call the next client. Let me call the competitor." So you constantly get caught up with building a lot of new clients because you think, "Oh, because I'm good at that. So let me use this opportunity to go to the next client, the next client, the next client, and and then." That's when I realized the first client that I make a big placement from, they actually hired the second and the third and the fourth headcount because of my poor post-follow-up system that I didn't, you know, follow through. Because I just went, oh, I make that placement. Oh, and... and They're bound to come back. Exactly. And then I constantly chasing new clients, thinking that, oh... And guess what? Um, and and when I found out that they actually hired the second and the third and the fourth through another recruiters, and that's when I went back. I reflect on that and being the most competitive. You yes, know, you are the most competitive yeah, I know. person. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I I had a I had a reflection on. I'm like, what could I've done done better in that? And that's when I I told myself that every time you make a placement, it's about making sure that you you have to follow up that after a month or two weeks or when the person start, when the person join, do not be arrogant thinking that just because you place the person, Mm -hmm. the person is going to call you when they need to hire. Because I'm sure as much as you think you have the relationship with them, Mm -hmm. he or she may have relationship with other recruiters as well, not necessarily just because they didn't place them. Are we saying there's no loyalty then? Mm, I wouldn't say there's no loyalty. I think it's at the end of the day, it's hard work. that you know has to be taken place. I yeah. mean, it's about constant engagement. Okay, yeah. that's probably what yeah. the words I'm okay. for. Okay, so it's constant co- engagement. So a consultant should be putting in their diary every week, every month, or just making sure that they have their lists of people they've placed, or yes. even candidates they've met. For Absolutely. instance, it doesn't have to be placements. Doesn't Absolutely. have to be clients you met. It's it's going back to that network side again, isn't it? Again, if you're yeah. going out and meeting people, what system are you putting in place to ensure that you don't just forget them? Yep. That yep. to build a relationship, a bit like yep. friendships and. Relate, you know, any, any kind of um, people contact, we've got to have that regular contact to, regular have contact, to, to, yeah. to create a relationship. Yeah. And I think with this whole constant engagement with both clients and candidates, and to me, that's very crucial to be a successful recruiter because it's not about building new clients and new candidates, but it's really about keeping that, that group of um, clients and candidates you're close with and making sure you're giving them the best... Um, right insights yeah. or service and 
quality so, of so when service. we say bd it isn't yeah. always new clients it's all it's a it's a combination of getting more out of your existing clients Absolutely. and balancing that with potentially some new ones if you think that it will complement your portfolio absolutely absolutely but i think a lot of people get caught up with that uh, because there's this big brand that's hiring for this role mm. and everyone just yeah you know, focusing on chasing that lead yes. and while well, I appreciate that, yeah, it's a good lead, but it's also about not forgetting that what are some of your clients that you have one or two places in the past? How about catching up with them, mm. making sure that they have not been forgotten? Mm. I think I've heard one of my clients, I asked my client, I say, how have Charterhouse been doing? How have we been doing? You know, it's about feedback session as well. And 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 one of them actually told me, said, Patricia, I like that you are following up with me Mm. every other month despite me not giving you business <laughs> you still come back to me I say yeah I just want free lunch but <laughs> but but again it's it's to me it's it's really about the engagement yeah. and to today you know I think the good recruiters out there whom I know um, are still keeping in contact with people that they place 10 years ago right. despite them already leave the industry that they're covering so now. do you just have time set up then that you bring up lists of everyone you've met do you have a, a, a really thorough system on that I don't, but I have a soft KPI in my head where every week, or p perhaps the reason why I, and I say I don't is that because every week I'll tell my team that if you have a candidate that you just placed um, last month or the mm -hmm. month after, you're going to make sure that firstly placement lunch after one month, mm -hmm. you're making sure that you catch up with them, seeing them how they are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't just forget them after you place them, mm -hmm. catching up with them, see how they're doing. And then subsequently in Three months, I would say I tend to have the one month and the three months um, formula to making sure that they keep in touch. And and same thing for the client as right. well, to making right. sure that we keep in touch. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So the follow-up is on the system where you just kind of like uh, putting, just kind of connect to your calendar um, to making sure you keep in touch. That makes sense. Yeah. What types of KPIs, my favourite word, what types <laughs> of KPIs do you see successful consultants doing what kind of well, should, well I'm going to ask that again what types of KPIs and also what kind of levels of activities are you seeing from successful consultants not just at Charterhouse just in your own experiences mm. Mm. I would say there are few KPIs that I personally believe that the recruiters can be measured against um, it's actually client meetings number mm. one um, candidate meetings as well as client-candidate interview. Um, to me, these are probably the three mm. um, things. And you do realise that I deliberately leave the number of jobs picked up as yeah. the KPI. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, again, because I believe that if you get the KPI right for the three above that I've mentioned, jobs will come in. Because yeah. if you build the right relationship, you build the right network, you're resourceful, you have the right relationship, jobs will come in. Yeah, oh, I appreciate that. Because I think we've had experiences where we've got a number of people that we've worked with that don't always have the highest of KPIs, yeah, but have the most amazing results. It's all that whole quality side, yeah, yeah. But I appreciate yeah. not everyone is in in organisations where there are that they're managed by managers that are sensible with KPIs. Sometimes it's it's just a number thing. Yeah, I I I recently have a have a have a have a, um, have, a have a team member where he met. 19 candidates a week right yeah. and when 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 he met the 19 candidates a week i went this is phenomenal yeah i was happy because i thought wow the activities level is is high it's also a candidate at the door now yeah, that we maybe, can hear yeah. someone at least is working um <laughs> hope it's not food delivery though um, and and yeah 19 and it went on for week after week after week. There was zero result. Right. And again, being the managers, it's just that you got to know something is not right, something's amiss, and yes. you don't wait till six months. Yeah. So in the second month, you're like, something's not right. Mm. You're constantly not in the office. You're mm. out there meeting. And that's when, again, the network thing is important. He's very well networked. But fundamentally, a good recruiters still have to deliver. Yes. If you spend time going out network and network, mm who do the work. Mm. Um, and I appreciate that, you know, he was upfront with me. He's like, Patricia, I don't know how to manage my time. And again, mm. that's when we sit down, going through the time management piece. And it's tough, right? It's, it's to today. And I think recruitment is, is one of the hardest jobs out there. Yeah. And I think people don't realise, um, but 
it is tough. It but takes how long a lot. should you? How long should you take? How many hours a week do you think you should develop your business? Should you be focusing on business development to create a healthy pipeline of jobs or revenues, however you want to position it? Well, every single day, I think consultants should be on the phone with their clients, be it sort of candidate interview mm. or it's about feedback. Um, and I think if it's if it's about getting meetings and all, I would say probably three three to five client meetings a week. Mm-hmm. It's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. three to five client meetings and depends on how many calls you make in order to right. achieve So a little bit every, every day. Yeah. And, and I want to add that that calendar planning is very important. And if your calendar is blank for the week, um, if, if, if any consultant at any point where your calendar is blank for next week, that's when it says a lot about your planning. And and if I look at some of the most uh, successful recruiter in Charterhouse, their calendars is packed the whole month. Yeah. There's client lunch, candidate lunch. Yeah. You just have a look. You can see the difference. And that right. gives you a good metrics of whether or not they're going to be a fee earners yeah, for the okay. next few months. So your top earners are just packed calendars, very structured. Absolutely. Yeah. And are they equal with their clients and candidates in terms yes. of out there? Interesting. Exactly. Okay. It's not going to be skewed one or the other. What do you think clients, especially line managers, not so much on the HR side, um, what do you think they're looking for in a recruiter when they meet for the first time? And what do you think they're looking for over time in that kind of relationship? I think clients are looking for someone who has the knowledge in the industry or in, in, in the business. But of course, there's some new uh, recruiters who may not necessarily equip with that and I think it's important that a manager should should accompany to making sure that a meeting doesn't go soft yeah. um, but more importantly I think the traits that clients are looking for is really the um, very I don't know I, I, I like to say sincere mm. but I don't know how exactly to put that in because I think people can come across very sincere o- authentic just real just not yes. putting a you know being themselves being themselves, being yeah. very frank yeah. with them. And to me, I'm not afraid meeting a client and telling them what the market thinks of them. And that somehow I think client wants to hear yes. what people are actually thinking of them yeah. rather than what you want them to hear. Yeah. And and personally, I, I don't think that that goes very well these days. It's not about going there, telling them how great they are. They're a great company. Yeah. I think they want to hear the yeah. negative feedback yeah. so that, the meeting could help them. Yeah. And and I remember sitting across one CEO one day and telling him his reputation, uh, the company's reputation in the, mark, um, in the market, unfortunately, could have been better. And he walked out of the meeting. He said, Patricia, you're the first recruiter who tell me this. Wow. And I appreciate that you're being very candid. Yeah. Um, and it's being just the honest. delivery, isn't it? And yeah. it's all about delivery. Yeah. I don't go in and start bashing his brand. I yeah. think I go in just to say, um, <laughs> you know, just coming from the market standpoint and this has been, um, you know, pretty common yeah. um, that your the turnover is very high. I think it's a perception. And yeah, so it's just being very yeah. honest and telling are you, them. Yeah. Are you bringing, are you, do you bring CVs with you? Do you bring top talent with you or do you tend to sort of wait until second, third meeting with them? How do you position it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan with paper CV. Yeah. Going there. Too, and too old school? No, yeah, too old school yeah. for me. Would you have it on um, your iPad? Um, yes, now I'm starting to use iPad because yeah, it's digital. Looks, yeah. um, but I think I tend to have that. If I know there are a few profiles that yes. they will be interested, I tend to have that the summary of the person in my in my head. And then when they starting talking about, oh, what kind of good talent that you have been searching for? And I'll start bringing some names. Right, so you've already prepared in your mind, in your mind what you yeah. want to be talking about. It's not exactly. just a meeting yeah. for relationship. You will t- try and sell that yeah. in there. And then I will follow up to say that I will send it across... Um, a soft copy yeah. after the meeting and they appreciate that and despite them not hiring they'll be like this would be the kind of profile down the road and at least they know that you've gone into the meeting prepared mm. and knowing mm. what kind of emerging skill sets that people are after yeah. so again and I think people are looking for knowledgeable um, recruiter as well and I don't I don't I don't believe that knowledgeable recruiter comes from experience and I have recruiter that I've seen in um, seen in my team where they are one year in okay. or maybe just started but they're so inquisitive about yeah, the business that's, that's, the, the, that's good. yeah the knowledge of the, the yeah. res- they did so much research and they know so much that I felt that's where 
you know, this soft spot. Yeah, it's head. a balance though, isn't it? Is that sometimes Absolutely. people can go too much on the knowledge and then yeah. not able to articulate that in the meeting Correct. and then you can go the other way where they don't have, a, don't have enough information. Correct. What do you think clients are looking for over time? What, what do they want from recruiters? You met them first of all, met a client for the first time. Yeah. What do you think they're looking for over time? I think they're looking for relation. I mean, uh, recruiters who know their business very well. I don't. I don't think clients are looking for. Sorry, let me backtrack that. What kind of? I think clients are looking for recruiters who stays with them um, mm. through the years, mm-hmm. versus having to meeting recruiters again and again, new recruiters time after time, mm. talking about what they do. I think they enjoy working with recruiters who already know what kind of business what kind of talent they'll after do they um, care whether they've moved recruitment firms no okay not at all yeah yeah I've seen very successful recruiters out there who left um, you know mm. companies companies and clients li- literally yeah. follow them so is that relationship is that, relationship. Is that personal side isn't it yeah. um, you've worked in two big sort of powerhouses how different are they in regards to how they approach business development <laughs> no one can see that but Patricia's eyes just glared at me then <laughs> um, how different are they I think over there it's I think there is there is a company wide system that's already in place for mm. business development where there's dedicated time and days yeah. that you know they encourage and advocate people to business development. Mm. I think in Chatterhouse, unfortunately, it takes a lot of individual discipline. Yeah. Where we unfortunately we don't have the company wide to say, Hey guys, today is a business development day. Mm. Let's put on our casual, order some pizza, let's let's call. Right. So we you drive it. That. You drive that, do you? Yeah. I, I think it's a lot team. more individual discipline where I tell my team where, you know, it's about a few client meetings that you need to hit. You know, pipeline is getting a bit low. Let's let's do some business development. But we don't have that whole company wide where you have the energy going on in the whole company shouting and, and not shouting, like literally picking up the phone and have the energy around. And I don't think we have that here because here we have a lot more experienced recruiters. So I suppose a lot of discipline and operational excellence has already been embedded, you know, since because we hired only experienced right. recruiters. I mean, right. most of them. I mean, we have hired a few graduates, mm-hmm. um, but most of them, uh, 80% are experienced recruiters. So they, so the majority that are experienced, they don't, you saying they don't need to be motivated to do business development because really the whole competitions that the, the powerhouses do yeah. are to um, motivate and then reward with either pizza dress down yeah. the team that wins half a day or whatever it is um, if they make the most cold calls or the, get the most client meetings for instance yeah and yeah so what you're saying is that for yourself at Charterhouse that it's individually you're individually motivating yourself there's no rewards there I think here it's the manager plays a very important part mm. to motivate the team members mm. instead of company wide. I mean, over here we see individual teams running their own business development respectively. Okay. Um, again, that's where I think coming to a place like a charter house, I enjoy most was the empowerment mm. that my boss actually given to me is Patricia, you manage the business. Mm-hmm. You know, you do what you need. It takes what it takes to to you know to ensure success. So so the manager decide. Just because the company is running a BD doesn't mean I have to partake in other places. Yeah. Here it's about it's team specific, individual specific. Yeah. I can have two out of my five members running BD just because the two of them need it. Yeah. Doesn't mean okay. the rest. Yeah. So it's so a little bit more agile than having yeah. dedicated so it's days. More agile, a month, agile approach. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's more agile over here. Okay. Again, we're more nimble, right? Because we're only like 25 consultants. Right. Um, yeah. Do you use any tools or techniques that are successful in mapping out your client base? You know, maybe it's complete. It's more than you know, new clients as opposed to existing. Are you using anything? Is there any kind of way you approach that that a new recruiter or someone moving into sort of the business development or someone moving into a three hundred and sixty role mm-hmm. they could they could get some advice off you on that? I think our existing CRM system is pretty decent. I think what enough. if you don't have a good what if you don't have a great database? No one uses it. Mm. And you you've been asked to develop mm. a sector yeah. from scratch organization that doesn't have much on the database. It's a fairly new business. How would you approach building out that that portfolio? 
Yeah, I, th- I thought about that. I think people were asking me um, the other day at an event, like, Trisha, if I don't have a system, what should I do? And and I actually went back to actually go to Apple iTunes to look at CRM software. There's a lot of very sim- uh, simplistic kind of simplistic software Oh, to use it, do it yourself individually? Yeah, individually. If you're That's in a very advice. small boutique firm where... You know, I've I've heard I meet PRC and I ask them. I say, how do you do? They were like yeah. in Excel. I say, why don't you try to download an app and try yeah. to use that because it sync up with your calendar. Yeah, yeah. that's really so, that 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 is actually really good advice. Yeah. I never even thought that. Yes, you could be really encouraging someone to yeah, be doing exactly. to do the whole There's thing. There's so many software out there. It's 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 great for free. Even if it's not free, it's five nine nine per month. It's very simple and it's very user friendly. Where all you need is just, you know, put in your client contact that you know you're going to set up for a BD call tomorrow or the day mm. after. So re- go back to to that page when it's needed. I love that. Yeah. Um, so CRM advice, what other advice would you give someone that was um, mapping out their, their, their client base? Any other advice you'd give them? We said the network inside. Um, mm-hmm. How could they leverage off their, their colleagues? How can they leverage off their colleagues? Um, well, it's it's very industry specific. Again, if they are focusing on like what we are covering, which mm. is digital analytics, which is very very competitive, mm. very talent, um, you know, scarce in this space. Yeah. Um, again, it's really about going out there, um, talking to candidates, yeah. understanding what they're yeah. looking for, and yeah, just just really again. I don't know. that natural curiosity of yeah. just making sure you're constantly out there meeting people and exactly. gaining information and building up your own yeah. up your own network. I think calendar calendar planning is important. Mm. Um, and yeah, as simple as it sounds, but it's really crucial. I think if you plan out your day well from nine o'clock and you leave at six o'clock, and if you get that sort out right, have it the system, I think you, you will be able to reap the benefits. Right. Yeah. I want to move on to um, another topic and I think we're going to be splitting this this podcast into two so for anyone any listeners that are out there um, you can quite happily maybe turn turn um, go and grab a coffee or you can uh, um, sit back and enjoy um, part two of the podcast because I'd really love to hear Patricia's take on the impact of competitors If you're interested to tune into part B of my interview with Patricia from Charterhouse, we'll be looking at the impact of having a rival and how that can make you be an even more successful recruiter. So tune in.